This episode is all about the music of Star Wars. From OT to TFA and all acronyms and anthologies in between. Everyone gets a theme except Anthony Daniels in this episode of Krypton 2 Alderaan. Everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan, the podcast that surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we! Anyway, I'm Joey, and with me is Royce. Hello. Robin. Hello. And the doctor, Lorelai. Hello. Do you think I went into the red when I yelled? <clears throat> hey, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know how these uh, intros are going. You can find us at Krypton Alderaan. Or uh, shoot us an email at kryptontoalderon at gmail.com. And we also now have a Facebook page. Woo! Woo! Yay! Um, Krypton to Alderon on Facebook. Just search for us and like us and interact with us and stuff. And also, leave us a review wherever you're listening or if you're listening to somewhere that allows reviews. And we'll read it on the air like this next one from Collecting Confidence Podcast. John at Collecting Confidence Podcast says, I am blown away by the sheer volume of knowledge that pours out of each episode of this fantastic podcast. You will love the depth of knowledge, the joy of the banter, and the wide scope of topics covered. Give it a listen. He gave us five stars. Nice. Thanks, John. So, that said, this week on Krypton to Alderaan, we're talking about the music of Star Wars. Personally, I'm really excited to talk about this. This is probably the aspect of Star Wars that I have, that I know the least about. I don't know all that much about music or like how to talk about music. It's similar to like my understanding of wine. I could be like, I like that wine, but it's indescribable how it makes me feel. But the music of Star Wars has obviously always meant something to me, right? Like, I hear it if I'm picturing, you could hear it if you're picturing a scene, or me personally, I can, or it's like reading a book or a comic book, and each book or comic book, at least that I've encountered, starts with like the crawl, so to speak. And when you open up the, even a book, you could just hear the main theme play. And there's something so incredible about the connection there that, that makes that happen. And obviously, the point of a score, I think, I guess we're going to talk about this more, but it's supposed to complete and enhance the experience of the whole thing. So I, probably like many others, always treated it as a whole. I never really thought about the music individually. I mean, we talk about it and we say, okay, obviously, John Williams, he does amazing work. He scored all of these movies that mean so much to our childhood, especially the Star Wars stuff. But I never really thought about it on its own. And so, this is the episode I've done the most research for, <laughs> and it was really hard to do because I just don't know that much about the music. I don't know how to talk about music, and I, man, yeah, it's just been a lot. That's enough of me talking because I don't know enough. So we're going to go to Joey let's, first. Let's just start at the beginning <laughs> with John Williams because he and us were there at the beginning when Star Wars started. So it's really interesting that we're all like, Star Wars is like the OG soundtrack if you had to say what 
film soundtrack comes to mind first when you think film soundtracks, that's going to be top five, if not number one, right? Followed by Jurassic World and Harry Potter and other things John Williams has done. But the idea of pairing music to stories or characters is like not really a new thing. Like obviously when you have a movie, you need music in the background to like you said, kind of cue people in on like what's kind of going on in a scene and like it adds to the emotional weight of whatever's going on, whether it's a battle or a death or a love scene, whatever it is, the music kind of sets the bed for that. But like that's been a thing in music composition forever, just not necessarily cinema. Like it might've been an opera or people just writing music with the idea of like Vivaldi and like the Four Seasons where you're like, I'm going to write a piece about spring. And you try to <laughs> encapsulate that into music. So like it's, right. it's been a thing. John Williams does it awesome for movies, obviously, but it's like not a new idea. But the thing that I think he does really well that makes Star Wars Star Wars is he gives everybody a theme, except C-3PO, apparently. Yeah, except Anthony Daniels. But you can watch Star Wars and you're like, okay, the X-Wings show up and you get this like spaceship fanfare or like the crawl shows up and you get the main theme for the entire saga or someone's doing something crazy with the force and you hear, you get all these themes that like kind of pepper in and out. It's so interesting to think about, right? Because music has been a part of movies longer than people being able to speak in movies has been a part of movies. Things have had musical themes in movies before, from the beginning. Running with what you said, Royce, what's super interesting about John Williams, and I think what makes it so, what we can connect to and what keeps us interested, whether we realize it or not, every single thing had a theme. And that was, that was my question. Was he really the first person, or was this the first sort of property to do that, where everything had a theme? The introduction to the movie had its own theme. Every character besides C-3PO had a theme. and. The planets had a theme, which I know we could talk about, like one of his influences, that was a big part of it. And then as you go further into the movies and as we get further into the saga, he blends them together so that different moments in the movie are playing different people's themes together, different feelings, and you could just really connect to it. And you just, like I said, it enhances the film so much. For myself, researching how to talk about this on our podcast it was just very overwhelming because I don't understand I don't understand music in any way. I don't understand how to make music. I certainly don't understand music theory. So just the idea of that, like the intricacy of it all, and then what we've connected to for how long has it been? 50 years over nine movies? It's just obviously an incredible feat, but just also incredible to think about, especially when you're diving into it for research. So, Royce and Robin, you both are musical people. You both have degrees in music. So, I, I wanted to talk about sort of the music of the original trilogy again, like starting at the beginning. And starting with the main theme, it's obviously become this very discernible thing, and it means, uh, you know, it just means Star Wars. But can either of you speak to, I guess, the theory behind why it works so well, especially paired with opening a movie like that, like this big space opera, as it, as it came to be called, 
And John Williams created that music for that. Theory-wise, I don't know if that's like a conversation that would make sense without getting super boring and monotonous and probably one that we're not necessarily prepared to go super deep on. But in general, I would say like the film starts and you have that massive horn brass section that's just like, like we talked about it on last episode. Like it just jumps out at you and it sets up everything else that you're like, this is going to be exciting space-time adventure. So it starts with a really exciting fanfare and like March-style thing, big brass, big drums, and super-duper catchy melodies. It just gets you ready for the actual crazy adventure that's going to ensue. Right, Robin? Yeah. I mean, anything traditionally that's considered like a fanfare-type style is supposed to be loud and exciting it's meant to get you like pumped up about whatever's happening like isn't that also why they use like you know marching bands and stuff at like football games because it's Mm -hmm. loud and it's exciting and you're like yeah football i kind of look at the intro music to star wars as like the star wars national anthem or like galactic anthem you know it's like all rise like you would play it like before the Super Bowl, obviously, right? The Galactic Super Bowl. Yeah, before the Galactic <laughs> Super Bowl on Tatooine. They always play. Before the pod race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lorelai, did you play this? Did you play the main theme in band? Yeah, we played. There were several different Star Wars situations in band and orchestra. Um, if you have an orchestra, you have to, because then you can actually like do it justice. Yeah, we played a lot of the Star Wars music. Just I think because it's like so iconic, so you can't go to like a pops orchestra concert without hearing a John Williams something, and you know, twenty five percent of the time it's going to be Star Wars. It's a good way to like trick people into having an interest in music that isn't just regular yeah. like pop or rock music. Like it's yep. a film score, but it really is like classical or like romantic style music like when you just listen to it on its own just happens to be in front of spaceships Jeez, there's just so much i have listened to so much star wars music in the past week and i've i've never listened to star wars music without star wars being on and it really made me appreciate star wars so much more i'm i'm entering this phase where i just love it all right even the stuff i don't like it's like just something special about it So he created this incredible theme, but obviously every piece of music in the movie was John Williams. And again, like I said, I've never separated them before. It just kind of happens and you're immersed in it. So I never paid attention, but the Imperial March was obviously a very strong part of the story. And it's like a huge thematic point to the entrance of Vader and the sort of negative setting of the movie. So let's talk about it. Yeah, you immediately hear the da 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 and you're like, okay, there's definitely going to be either Darth Vader or Stormtroopers or Super Star Destroyers. It's the Imperial March, so it's not the National Anthem. It's like... It's like the exact opposite. Yeah, I don't know what the the term for it is, but like that's when you're marching into war, you know? It's interesting to go from the main theme. I mean, we almost, in the original movie, we almost go from the main theme into the Imperial March, I think, right? When Vader's entering. That's a really interesting point. Like, we're like peppering in all these different, like, there's the Force theme or there's Vader's theme or like Leia's theme. The brilliance behind, I think, a lot of what John Williams does is, like, all of the themes work together really well. Like, they belong 
you can weave in and out of all of them like nobody's business. I don't know if that's just the way that he's able to kind of compose and design an actual score, but they all work together so well. Like you said, you do the main fanfare, but it like fades out into like spacey themes. And then the Imperial March all of a sudden comes in and then they blast off to Tatooine. And now they're doing like kooky droid music in the background. He makes it like, like it's almost like one big ass piece of music. It's not really like all these individual songs. Once this person's on screen, we just kind of like fast forward to their part of the song. Do you know if that's how he did it? Do you know if he made one? Like, is that how composers work? When you listen to the soundtracks, almost every track in the soundtrack will call back to other tracks. It's not like that's the only time I'm using the Imperial March theme. going to bring it in in other parts of the soundtrack. Yeah, and I think one thing that's kind of... I mean, not unique to Star Wars, but perhaps different from other movies is that the music is almost continuous, like throughout the whole movie. There's not a lot of time where there's not music in the background. To me, that's kind of how it seems, whereas like a lot of other movies you watch, there's like a song, but then like they kind of stop and there's a lot of dialogue and like whatever. Whereas like with Star Wars, it's I kind of equate it to like I used to play in pit orchestras a lot and for musicals, which is kind of like a movie. <laughs> yeah. But like some musicals, you like play a song and then you're done. And then there's like a 10 minute break for dialogue and acting. And then you play another song. But some musicals, it's like you're playing the entire time. And it's like a totally different mm-hmm. musical experience because the music is so integral to the whole everything that's going on. And I feel like Star Wars kind of leans more towards that. So in that respect, like everything has to be more integrated because it has to flow together. And John Williams was really talented in that he could, like, kind of mix the themes together and make them sound more like one thing versus, like, individual songs. Yeah, you're right. Because, like, and they'll even go from totally different scenes. Like, it could be, like, the space battle, but then they go down to, like, Endor. And then they go into, like, the throne room. And it is that one piece of music, but, like, totally different scenes and totally different plot lines that are going on. And the music gets quiet in between, but it comes back and it's it's never really like totally silent in the background i don't know yeah well it's like a soundtrack can't have like a finale like ending to one of the pieces like they all kind of like you said they all kind of like trail off at the end yeah and like it doesn't necessarily like stop there's always like a like droning (laughs) space the space sounds so you at least have like some sort of sonic bed yeah i think that's so important like joe you were saying like silent films you only had music to tell the story right like if you're missing the dialogue or you were like blind you could at least know what the heck you were supposed to feel by listening to the the music that was going on I mean, the entire point of a film score is to make you feel something. Like, and even with modern films, even with something like Star Wars, the acting's great, the characters are great. You could completely remove all of the dialogue from the movie and you would still be like, oh shit, it's Darth Vader. Like, (laughs) you don't have to hear anything he says. You're still like, that's the bad guy. And I think that's something that people don't think about. They watch movies and they feel these emotions, it's not because the acting's great. Like, it could be the best actor in the world. It's not because they're a great actor. If you removed all of the music from any movie, you'd be like, this movie sucks. This (laughs) actor sucks. Yeah, I think, I don't know the actual story, and maybe this is just like urban legend, but from what I've heard, they screened the movie and nobody liked it while there was no music in it. And they were like, this movie Mm. is weird and sucks. But then they put music behind it and you're like, 
now it's awesome. Like immediately, even just the crawl. Imagine reading the crawl without the fanfare and you're like rebel Super spies awkward. on a base. Like it's a book, you know, it's not a movie, but then you put the music behind it and you're excited. Like you said, that's the point. So I almost studied film scoring in college and I took a couple film scoring classes and the one class one of the assignments was you had to go to the library and they had discs of scenes for movies without any music to it. And you were supposed to like write a paper saying like, what do you think you're supposed to feel in the scene? What kind of music would you put here? And I don't remember. I did like five films and one of them was like a scene from Schindler's List, which I've never seen before. So I had zero base knowledge of like what you were supposed to feel in that scene. I was like, ah, it's a guy on a horse and there's some people and I don't remember what I said I definitely took like a very hard guess at what you were supposed to feel because there was no music and there was a little bit of dialogue but it was just kind of like people walking through the grass up a hill and a guy on a horse so that definitely taught me a lot like you don't I mean I've never seen the whole movie but Schindler's List I would guess it's a pretty heavy movie and yeah Without the music in that one scene, I was like... I think that's a John Williams score, too. Which is interesting. There was zero yeah. gravity to the scene. With It was completely silent, yeah. except for, like, a little bit of dialogue. See, I would love to find someone that's, like, never seen Star Wars and play them some of the, the clips, like, out of context. And, like, how do you react? Like, does that sound like a spaceship to you? Like, does that mm -hmm. sound like a three-foot-tall green alien with, like, pointy ears <laughs> stranded on like a swamp planet to you? Boy, that would be very specific. Yeah, you <laughs> you might be like, this sounds like space agey, but you might not be like, I can picture these ships flying through space. Yeah, man, I feel like we could have a whole discussion sort of about the idea of film scores because even now, I think it's becoming very artistic to make a movie without music. And I think that that's why we feel such a great... Like, if I see a movie and there's a scene without music it feels heavy like the opposite of what you were saying robin but i think it's because we're we've gone so long with creating these themes for specific characters or for what's going on in the movie so when we don't see it mm -hmm. it's like they don't want to put music in because they want you to focus on what's going on and then you do which is super interesting that's being like a musician in general like there's a cliche saying it's like the notes you don't play Right. In your solo kind of thing. So like having no music can also be just as impactful. We just saw Thunder Force. So I wanted we, to watch that. If we did a what we were into, that was going to be our couples. What were we into? <laughs> most likely. But so there's a scene where it, it's like one of these kind of heavy scenes. It's like a cheesy kind of goofy movie. But there's like a sort of emotional scene and there was no music in it or like the music was mixed so low. You could just be drawn into the dialogue. But I was like, why didn't they put something sad there to like make uh. me feel something? Like they were not, I don't know if they had a budget for a crazy film composer or whatever, but they weren't putting anything in that scene to tell me what to feel. So it, there's a lot of power there if you're the composer. Like you have to watch the scene and say like, what are we trying to draw out of the audience here? Like, are we going to leave it up to them to figure out? Or am I going to like, Give them a clue here. Like you, could, like yeah. we said, you could totally change how the movie or the scene feels with or without the music. Yeah, I mean, what yeah. if like any scene with Darth Vader, they played Baby Elephant March or whatever that is? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a complete, you wouldn't be like, oh shit, it's Darth Vader. You'd be like- Baby Elephant <laughs> Walk? Yeah. 
Like, that's a completely different tone. You might, like, still think he's the bad guy, but you'd be like, but he's a joke. Yeah, or his, like, his theme wasn't on, like, deep brass. It was on, like, the flute or something. And you're like, that's not the right pairing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's exactly right. That's a really good point, specifically now, because I skipped over the what we're into so we could have more time to dedicate to this conversation because I thought it would go long. But if we've all watched... If we're all up to date on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there's the scene at the club with Zemo dancing <laughs> that people have been putting other music to, like the Cantina yeah, yeah. Band and funny. like the theme song to DuckTales and all that stuff. So it's funny to see like people's interaction with moments in co- like content like that. So I wanted to talk about the original trilogy and the sounds there to give us like an introduction into John Williams and what he started. And I wanted also to go in sort of chronological order, so the next thing we would talk about would be the prequels. John Williams scored all nine Skywalker Saga films. By the time we get to the prequels, it had been a long time since we've interacted with Star Wars. I mean, the special editions had come out a couple of years before, but nothing really new. But the sound of the prequels, John Williams' touch on the prequels was still traditionally Star Wars, but there was a lot of new stuff in there. So, asking Royce and Robin, um, we were young when the prequels came out. I assume you were both still sort of into music. Did you think about the the music in the movies back then? Did you have any feelings towards the new scores? I mean, there was a lot. It, it seemed similar, but different. Like, from my perspective, there was, like, a lot more choir involved but we get you know we still get the big band kind of stuff and then of course duel of the fates and and everything we should talk about but did you have any feelings towards the music at that point in time in your lives i never watched star wars until i was in my 20s so i cannot speak to that (laughs) well so that's a good so that's even better i think because you weren't young then and you were very into music then and and you were in college at that point studying music is that correct um when I saw the prequels, I was definitely out of college at that point. I'd already graduated. Okay, so perfect. So you studied music. So what did you did you think about that music at that point, the, the specifically the prequel music compared to the original trilogy music? Not really. I remember watching the prequels and enjoying the music um, with something like you mentioned, like Duel of the Fates, because that's very exciting music and it definitely gets you pumped up. In general, I don't like anything about the prequels, but I think the music of the prequels is very good. Yeah. Yeah. We had Anakin's theme and we had the music playing when he left his mom. And that's obviously still, regardless of how I feel about most of the prequels, that scene gets me every time. And I think it's, it's largely because of the music. Um, How about you, Royce? I would say like everything for me at that point, I would have been like, 10 years old. So I liked music at that time. And I was just starting to like take piano lessons and like play trombone and stuff. So I was into music, but watching the film, like I didn't consciously think about it. It was definitely something I enjoyed, but it was all on that subconscious level of like, like you said, you're watching him leave his mom and you're like, this is a sad scene. And he's got this crazy, like swelling string chord going on and it's making you feel something. Obviously, like it's so cliche to say duel of fates. Everybody Who doesn't like Duel of the Fates? And like you said, he's got the choir. That is some epic shit. It's probably, I don't know, we could maybe argue about it. That's got to be the best piece of music in all of Star Wars. That theme, he doesn't just use it in that battle either. He brings it back for when Anakin's looking for his mom. It like plays inside of that. 
uh, in Attack of the Clones. Like, it is a really epic piece. Someone must have told them, like, you got to come back and this film isn't maybe the best, so please work your magic and up the ante a little bit. Huh. I don't know. Because that's probably what he thought when he was originally composing the original trilogy is like, I'm going to bring a lot to the table here. I think he brings a ton to the table. Same thing with the prequels. Like, take that out of the final battle. Like, there's oh, the yeah. awesome lightsaber battle, and then, like, the space battle and the Gungan battle are, like, not really the best moments in Star Wars, but that duel with Qui-Gon and Darth Maul and Obi-Wan is pretty awesome. But the music definitely saves the day, in my opinion. I would love to watch those scenes without any music because I think it would just be kind of comical. It would look like two guys, like, cosplaying. <laughs> well, that's essentially what it was. That um, is Star Wars, <laughs> is it not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but take out the music and then watch it. It's probably going to be a little bit awkward. It's also so interesting because there are pieces that are so different from the rest of the score. Like, Royce, you said you could listen to the soundtrack and they all bleed into one another. And that's very true, except there's there seems to be, like, one thing per soundtrack, maybe, that's just out of left field. Like the Cantina Band, the uh, Max Rebo Band, and then at the end of The Phantom Menace, like the victory... Whatever it is. Yeah. Like, that they're playing the Gundam... Gun, Gungan yeah, yeah, yeah. Victory song. Yeah. You're right. Uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi, I think they swapped that song from the original release in the final release. They do like a different version of it in the special editions. Right, but, yeah. But the ending of uh, Return of the Jedi has like a folk song with like bass guitar and like, it's still very like John williams E, but it's not a orchestra arrangement. It almost feels kind of like a band of sorts. So like every now and then, like you said, he... Comes out of left field, I suppose is a good way to put it. Yeah. And so, Royce, you were 10 when the prequels started, when The Phantom Menace came out? Yeah. And so then, having now your musical background, or whenever you watched the prequels later, I guess, in life up till now, did you think about that music? Did you say, hey, this is really different than the original trilogy score, and it's got a lot more of these elements in it? He, no, I think... Did it, did it evolve in some way from that? I, I feel like it's more melodic in the later Star Wars era with John Williams. Like, the other thing is, the original trilogy, like you said, you're like, it's 1977. 20 years later, he's scoring the prequels. So, like, I don't know, man. I write goofy pop music right now. Talk to me in another 20 years. Like, what kind of music am I going to be writing? Probably more choir. Probably exactly the same, to be honest. <laughs> but, like, he probably looks at scoring the prequels totally different than he looked at scoring the originals. I would assume after 20 years of like, you did Jurassic Park, you know, like you grow. What is so fucking funny? I'm just, you're like, he probably looked at it different. I'm just picturing John Williams being like, I'm going to do whatever I want. What are you going to do? Fire the guy who wrote Star Wars? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it still sounds so Star Wars though. And I don't know, I guess my thesis question would be, does it feel Star Wars because I'm connected to this franchise? Or does it feel Star Wars because John Williams was Star Wars smart and made it feel Star He just, I don't understand how it works. That's my point. Like, he has connected this music to these movies in, like, flawlessly. I think there are some, like, cliches. We should stop talking about just John Williams' Star Wars. We should move into some of the other scores, because I think this would be an easier conversation to have to prove your thesis, for sure. Like, what is Star Wars music? I think there are some cliche things 
that you could do if like any of us had to write a Star Wars song. Like one, obviously you got to like have the big brass fanfares, but you do have to have these kind of like long sing-songy like string parts that he also incorporates like uh across the stars in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, like, right. It's this like big long like everything is just it pulls on your heartstrings with the way that he designs that string melody, but that's not like the classic marchy snare drum fanfare type stuff. There's like a couple different types of Star Wars music you have to be able to fit in. But like I said, I think we should talk about some of the other films as well, other than just the original and the prequels. Because some people draw from that and some people don't. And I think that definitely impacts whether or not you're like, am I watching Star Wars or not? Yes, I agree. We should get into other things. I do want to just mention the sequel trilogy once, but I want to just open this up to Lorelai. Had you seen the prequel trilogy before we met Lorelai? Yeah, I I definitely saw one in the theater and then never saw it again. So that was like the last time I saw them. That was okay. probably a lot of Star Wars fans. Yeah, and, and then, it was like I went with my brother and my cousin because I wanted we wanted to go see a movie and they were like, we're going to see this movie. And I was like, oh. Oh, nice. So, But you played this music in band, yeah. presumably some of the music from... The prequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, but you didn't have any connection to this music because you didn't have any connection to Star Wars. I had connection to the music more than I had connection to Star Wars. Okay. To be fair, I would say. I mean, I was more familiar th- with the m- music than I was with the movies, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I can hum all of the themes, but I don't know who they're necessarily associated with. Because the music stands on its own in a certain respect. Like, yeah. the music is good regardless of the movie. They work together in the films, but I think the music sort of, it stands on its own in its in its own way. Mm-hmm. And it still, like, evokes the same emotions that you associate with those moments in the film. So that was going to be my question. Do you have an emotional connection to this music without ever seeing the films? Like... Like Royce was saying, it'd be nice to show someone who's never seen it. Like, we don't, I don't have a neuralizer, so I can't participate in that. Like, I'd love to know if the music makes me feel a thing without having this. I mean, I just fucking love Star Wars, so it's going to yeah. mean something to me. I think you probably would. If you were to say, well, you and, do. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm probably the closest a person could get to that, except I would never watch Star Wars <laughs> without the music. But, like, yeah, I would say that I have an emotional connection to the music that's totally separate from whatever sort of tepid connection I have to the films. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I mean, I was in band. I was a giant band nerd. Like, every band nerd has played Star Wars music. And you play it at football games. And you play it, at, you know, in Pops concerts. And you play it in a lot of different situations where it, like, does exactly what it was meant to do. Yeah. Like, that's it's just kind of, as good at, like, a hockey game yeah, as a fight exactly. song. Yeah. And, like, and it's still, like, even if you hadn't seen the movies, it, like, still evokes the right emotions, which I think is sort of the power of how it was written. Yeah. That's incredible to think about because presumably he orchestrated it on its own, right? Well, not presumably. I mean, he wasn't, like, sitting there with the orchestra watching the movie. They made the music without the backdrop of the movie. I don't. I wonder if he's ever written a piece of music that wasn't for Star Wars. You know, he's like, I was doing this with my other band, but, like, we could play this song. It's called Last Jedi Knight. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I would just, I think you might not be quite, like, I, when I was in high school, back at band camp, not at band camp, but we went on a band trip once, and we got to go to a Disney studio in Florida, and they watch the movie as they're playing. Mm. Like, the, it's very much like an integrated experience. So, yeah. like, we got to sit in the studio, and they handed us sheet music for, I think it was Aladdin, and, like... They were, and then they play the scene. They play, they sync up the scene with you as you're playing. So you know exactly what's going on in the movie while you're playing. And so, like, the composer knows exactly what's going on in the film. And the person directing the orchestra knows exactly what's going on in the film when it's happening. So it very much is paired to, like, what's going on. But I think the power of this, the music is that it also, like, because it was meant to evoke those emotions and like as you were saying if you take the music out of Star Wars it'd be kind of like what am i supposed to be thinking right now like that's kind of it does its job whether or not you're watching the movie is kind of the point i'm trying to make i guess yeah cool real quick i just want to get into the sequel so a little bit more john williams but i th- i just i think that this score is the most different from the stuff he's scored for Star Wars before is that safe to say? Would you guys, the more music people, agree some with of it? That? I mean, he 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 brings. I mean, you're gonna just bring stuff in, but the new stuff created, like Ray's theme, is very like. That's the one that comes to mind to me because that's got like harps and bells and flutes and yeah, like, flutes or an oboe or something. That's a little bit different than your typical. Like, if you're gonna write a Star Wars song, you're not like, let me go get my xylophone. <laughs> yeah, it's almost. It's, like, much more delicate, I think. And then, like, Kylo's theme is menacing, but so different from, like, the other menacing themes so far, which have played off of the Imperial March, which I think this one does, but in a much more, like, I don't know. It's like subtle and softer. Kylo's I don't know how theme? to describe it. Dude, it reminds yeah. me of like Nelson from The Simpsons, where it's like, ha ha. Like, it kind of has the same kind of like, like, it's an evil sounding theme, but yeah. it's like a bratty evil. It's not I like it. I have an army behind me. It has this kind of like laughing kind of like, like he's not Darth Vader. He's Kylo Ren. You know what I mean? He wants to be Darth Vader. He's not quite there yet, but his yeah. theme is still like really a scary. juvenile, juvenile. Right menacing theme yeah yeah bah, 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 bah. for those yeah. who don't know have kylo's theme in their head <laughs> it's got this like ha ha <laughs> that's very funny i did not ever think of that the force awakens was my adulthood star wars it's the like right it's the first sure. one as an adult i got to go to as and and the premiere of and see and i cannot describe the swelling of emotion I felt when the crawl started and the sound started. And that's part of what I mean about like my emotional connection to the, to the music in star Wars. But the more I researched it, the more there was one piece that, that really meant the most to me. And that was Han and Leia's theme. When that plays first in the force awakens, it's just overwhelmingly emotional. Um, And it got me thinking that's just an emotional theme. And it's incredible to think sort of where that came from. But is there is there that for you all within the Skywalker saga? Is there a theme that stands out to you the most, I guess? Ray's theme is the only one I remember. Like, if you're like, what's a piece of music from the sequels? That's the only one I can really think of, or Kylo's theme. Probably the music they play the most, I would guess. 
I don't know for sure, but those have to be like the themes that come back and back and back, I assume. Right. I, dude, I think you're right, Joe, that like if you saw Star Wars when you were a kid, whether that was in the 70s or the 90s or 2000s, like whatever you heard, you attached to. And there's definitely mad nostalgia with the prequels or the sequels uh, when they bring back Leia's theme or whatever. Like you said, you're like, that's the same theme from when they were kissing on the asteroid field. Like, that's a thing you've already ingrained into your memory, you know? Right. So powerful if you hear it for the first time, but you have that history with it that you already love it. Just like when the movie starts. Yep. And Robin, I think we've talked about this before. You you and I both love The Force Awakens, correct? Are you still on that train? Yes. And something that the music did for me at that point was uh, was that it it tied into Star Wars, right? It's like the first time in many years that you're hearing these songs. And I guess from your musical standpoint, what was your connection to that being that The Force Awakens, that you really like The Force Awakens, probably, I think, both of our favorites of the sequel trilogy? I mean, I was definitely nervous that it being a new Star Wars movie, that it wasn't going to feel like Star Wars. And I can't point to any particular piece of music in The Force Awakens, but it felt like Star Wars. And I know he used, you know, some of the original music in it too, but even the new pieces still felt very Star Wars. It felt like a very natural connection to the rest of the saga, for sure. Mm-hmm. That very last scene when Ray's walking up to meet Luke, that like, like, it's just like, she's walking up the steps and the music's like building up. Like, that's definitely another different John Williams Star Wars moment. It's not the big fanfare. It's not like the long drawn out melodies, but there's like a, it's funny because you had mentioned this, Joe, how like some of the other newer Star Wars soundtracks are like more heroic. Mm-hmm. Like that almost sounded like Ray had just like leveled up, you know? And like she's meeting Luke and she's gonna now be a superhero Jedi. But that's mm-hmm. also, that is a really good piece of music from Force Awakens, I think, at the ending. I don't know what that that one's called. I think it's the Jedi Steps well, or something, something like that. Yeah, it's called the Jedi Steps, but it's also it also starts with Ray's theme. So yeah. Ray's theme blends into what what he called the Jedi Steps. And it's super Star epic. Wars. It's super cinematic. Yeah, it's super epic. Um, and it's super climbing, right? Like, that's the yeah. point. It's like, it's climbing as she's climbing, and then she reaches the top, and Dude. there's Luke Skywalker. And we haven't seen him in forever and she's never it's just an and incredible then it fades like, into the outro that is that is the best moment i've ever experienced in cinematic history ever i think because you're right joe i think you hit the nail on the head that you're like climbing he's like word painting with the music yeah. there you get the reveal of luke and everyone in the audience is like i really hope there's still 30 minutes left of this and luke's gonna do some <laughs> badass stuff and then the movie ends and it's the best cliffhanger ever both storytelling wise and paired really well with the music in that sense. Yeah. I never put those two together till now because that's subconscious while you're watching it. But yeah, you're right, dude. Man, just, I guess my point is the ability that he has to like read people, to understand what is going to connect most with people in any given moment of film scoring. And maybe, Robin, you learned a little bit about this or whatever, you learned about this in your classes. But just that understanding of people is so incredible to me. Like, that you know what you're making is going to connect people to what they're watching is an incredible idea. 
All right, so let's move away from John Williams and into some of the like anthology material. So yeah, we should go to Rogue One because that's the first thing after like regular Star Wars. Yeah. And it's the first major Star Wars thing without John Williams making the score. So the score is Michael Giacchino, awesome and accomplished composer, lost Star Trek, The Incredibles, uh, Up, Jurassic Spider-Man. World, Spider-Man. So yep. the dude is the man. Like he doesn't need to do Star Wars. He's already pretty well off. I think just like having J.J. Abrams come in and direct Force Awakens, like it's really difficult to now steward a new generation of stuff. And Rogue One is like a spin-off film, but still important for it to like do well and obviously needs a soundtrack that feels like Star Wars and being the next like non-episodic film. Like they did a lot of different things with it, not just necessarily hiring hiring a different composer, but like the way they it was directed, the way they wrote it. It doesn't start with a crawl, which I think is a really interesting like way to kick this off. It starts with like a really cold opening on just the movie. They don't tell you what's going on. They just jump into the movie and starts with a very classic Michael Giacchino kind of scoring moment. Just this kind of giant big stab of like strings and horns. And then you're just into the movie. There's no, here's the plot line. It here's the Star Wars fanfare. So it's crazy that they start this new spinoff film and they don't do it in traditional Star Wars fashion. So that right out of the gate with that film was just a really weird or a different approach. But I would say that Michael Giacchino follows the John Williams style guide perfectly. Mm-hmm. And they should bring him back to do other stuff. Because I think he did a really good job being like John Williams Jr., basically. <laughs> so I'll throw it back to you guys in one second. But there's yeah. like the biggest thing to me that if you're going to say like what piece of music is like the most Star Wars... I know I said I liked Duel of Fates, but I feel like the the shots where there's like spaceships doing stuff, like Star Wars is lightsabers and spaceships to me, right? And the spaceships have such great theme music, like when the Millennium Falcon is getting attacked right after they escape the Death Star. There's like an awesome like TIE fighter X-Wing fanfare going on. And when they do the trench run, like same idea. They get this like, and you can feel yourself flying the spaceship in Rogue Squadron 64, right? And <laughs> Michael Giacchino is definitely not copying, kind of copying, but he uses that same sort of chord progression and melody line mm-hmm. in a lot of the stuff in Rogue One. Uh, now I got to get that in my head. It's got the same kind of like jumping up and down thing. It's not quite as exciting as some other John Williams themes, but that plays a lot when there's spaceships showing up. Obviously, if you want to make it feel like Star Wars, how how is John Williams writing music for X-Wings? I got to write similar themes for my X-Wings. Shouldn't really go completely off in a different direction. So in general, Rogue One, like it feels John Williams-y in its style guide to me. What I think Michael Giacchino does really well is blend the existing score from the existing property with his own, like his own influence, his own touch. He he did it with both Spider-Man, both Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. He blends the Avengers theme with, and the like classic, really cheesy Spider-Man theme, you know, Spider-Man, (laughs) Spider-Man. He blends those with his own score and it just, 
works really well. I did the same thing with Rogue One, Royce, like you were saying, like he was John Williams Jr. You have to tie it together so that it feels Star Wars. It turns out people have not always done that. We'll get to that with Solo, but you have to blend it together. And what he does really well is blend the existing with his new stuff. And he's also really good at creating his own. The score for The Incredibles is incredible. There's no other way for it to live up to his <laughs> name, for it to live up to its name. He did a, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. I, I just love it. Royce, when Rogue One first came out, I seem to remember you not enjoying Giacchino's score. Sure, I can talk about that. Yeah, I didn't initially like when the Rogue One title screen comes up. It's like Star Wars, but upside down. Bam, 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 bam. Uh, see. <laughs> it, and I think someone broke it down on YouTube. It literally is all the same notes as like, da, 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 but kind of in a different order, basically, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting, like if you want to sound John Williamsy, he does these big like fourth and fifth jumps in music with like a run in between. Da, 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 da. Same thing like Indiana Jones. You hear the same like style melodies in that. So Giacchino does that. But that's where it sounds like parody to me. Dun, 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 dun. And I don't particularly enjoy that melody, especially that's what kicks off the rest of Rogue One. So that left me like, oh, you should have just fucking played the regular theme that everybody already loves, which they don't, they, don't, they don't do in Rogue One or Solo, which is like, you fucked up. You have the best theme song ever that you could put in front of every Star Wars thing. Even the TV show, Mandalorian, the like little swelling up thing they play in the beginning. Obviously, it's a new era of Star Wars, but that doesn't get me as pumped up as like if she just played the regular episodic theme. But they're obviously getting away from that to keep it fresh, I suppose. Well, I think there's there's that. And there's also like you're a composer getting paid to make the music for a thing. He also had two weeks or some stupid thing to make the music for considering it was made in like a month it's yeah pretty great robin you're not the biggest fan of rogue one what do you think of the music of rogue one i honestly couldn't tell you anything about any music (laughs) in rogue one because i think i've seen the whole movie once and i just thought it was such garbage i didn't really pay attention i remember like seeing it in the theater though and kind of like to royce's point being disappointed like the music was definitely exciting at some points I remember but I also remember being kind of disappointed because it didn't feel or sound like Star Wars it was definitely something completely different you could tell that it wasn't Williams but I think if you go back and listen to it like it's kind of grown on me over time I can hear the Williams isms in it yeah but yeah, you're right. It, it is like it, it's not the original, you know? Yeah, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. It feels like an action movie, but it doesn't feel like Star Wars. Mm. It doesn't give you that same kind of like, oh my God, I'm watching Star Wars feeling. <laughs> See, I would say that it makes me feel, I mean, they uh, at this point, they're trying to go in another direction. They're making these anthology films and they're getting new composers. I would say I still felt like the music was Star Wars. It's just obviously different. There's some stuff that I don't enjoy about the music and the movie in general, but it still feels much more Star Wars to me than some of the other anthology stuff. 
You've there's never a, seen... Go ahead, Royce. I was going to say, there's a song called Hope on the soundtrack, and it's like the scariest song I've ever heard that's titled Hope. Until at the very end, they bring in the Force theme, and it has like an uplifting thing. It's like at the end of the movie where they give the Death Star plans to Leia. Spoiler alert! But that's something that, like you said, I don't think Williams would have played it the same way. Like, a song called Hope, when they're trying to like get the Death Star plans to Leia, super important moment for the music to support that. Not sure if that lands as awesome as it could, but then it goes to the Force theme, and you're like, oh, yeah, Force. See, I see it as this, it's called Hope, but the circumstances are dire. Right. There's this overwhelming, menacing force, and we know at that point, at, at the point of the beginning of the movie, these characters are destined to die, right? So yeah. they're getting the Death Star plans, and we all know that they succeed, but they sacrifice their lives in order to succeed. Right. So there's that menacing tone of the idea of the movie is hope, and what it brings forth is a new hope, but the music is this sort of menacing, like, we succeed, but everybody dies kind of thing. Yeah, juxtaposition sort of thing. Yeah. You've never seen Rogue One, correct? Nope. We've talked about that. Correct. So wow, let's just play her the just play her the music, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> let's I I will play you the soundtrack. We'll have we'll do a mini episode where I play you the soundtrack, and you just try try to guess what's happening in the movie. No, you know what, Joe? You know what you should do? You should mix up a couple of original soundtracks and Rogue One, and be like, is this the Imperial March or the Imperial Suite? Oh, uh -huh. Imperial Suite, Michael Giacchino, Imperial March, John Williams, <laughs> uh -huh. blind blind taste test. Blind taste test. That sounds fun. Yep. Okay. So, Solo, John Powell. Yep. John Powell was the composer for Solo. I think we're all going to have some things to say about this. What I want to say up front is I like a lot of other stuff John Powell has done. He did the score for How to Train Your Dragon, which I think is, again, in just an incredible score. I love the music. I love the sound. It's so meaningful to me. I love two out of three of those movies, and the music has a lot to do with it. That being said, his contribution to Star Wars is, uh, what's the right word? Generic? I, I don't yes. know what happened with this score. I don't know if there was something behind the scenes going on. Do you, Royce? I don't know about behind the scenes, but I know that there is a trope in filmmaking where you'll film a scene and then you'll put in temp music. So the idea is like temp music temporary. We're going to replace this later when we hire a composer, but we want it to sound like this. So it's a great way to like give an idea to someone that's going to come in at the 11th hour and like drop in an original score. But I think this is an issue that Hollywood has faced on a lot of different projects where you put in like temp music and then you like pigeonhole your composer where you're like, so you want it to sound like whatever other theme from another movie, like just fucking hire that composer then and get them to write a song. But now you need me to write a song that sounds like like, yeah, I got to take this idea that already exists because they're trying to make a really awesome movie. So of course you put like a rough demo of music into the scene to get an idea for how it's going to play. Uh, you know, I do this all the time when I'm making music. It's like, you throw in a scratch track. It's not going to be the thing in the final. You'll redo it. But whatever that like scratch thing is influences the rest of the production. 
And I would kind of guess that's what happened with Solo, where they're like filming the movie, throwing in this temporary stuff, especially that the directors changed. That might have a part to do it as well. There's like another version of Solo, another version of Rogue One 2. Maybe that was yeah. part, part of the issue with some of that score. But generic is the best way to put it. I don't find anything interesting about Solo, aside from the spots that call back to the original score. And the Han Solo theme in the film, not written by the new composer, John Powell, written by John Williams. So I kind of feel bad that we're trashing him, but doesn't really feel like John Powell's contribution to Star Wars music is it's going to be a blip. Something happened with this movie. Something happened with the production of the movie and the production of the music, because whatever we could talk about our our issues with the movie in general but yeah it's 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 like when like the parent company puts too much pressure on the director which we've talked about a lot in uh, on our podcast and that that has an impact on the movie and sometimes the director quits like what happened or or leaves or whatever like what happened with Rogue One and Solo and sometimes they stay but they're pressured by the company to make a certain thing and it seems like like you said Royce either it was like the temp influence or the the company influence with this music but it just feels the least like Star Wars of anything of the cinematic universe of the television universe the animated shows it's the least Star Warsy. Well I guess we should also say that like I don't think the music's bad. Like, if you're going to listen to the soundtrack, like, it's not bad music. Sure. Like, that's not really a thing to me that exists. It's just whether right. or not you prefer it. And especially being Star Wars, you have to then, like, I thought Michael Giacchino, like, we ought to buy him a beer for him trying to actually sound like John Williams. Because, like, he's trying to do that for the audience. Like, he's doing us a favor rather than, like, John Powell, who kind of just does, I don't know, like, it, it sounds more like Pirates of the Caribbean to me or like any other generic kind of Marvel hero film. It's mm -hmm. not Star Wars-y, but he did add in these like synthesizer elements. There's like maybe like distortion guitars or something in there. It's kind of a more like 80s inspired soundtrack to me, but it, yeah, it doesn't feel Star Wars, but it's not bad. It just isn't what I would want. It's not what I envision in my head. Yeah. I agree. What do you think, Robin? I, I don't think I can give any valuable input. I don't remember anything about the music. I don't remember hating the music, though. I remember it feeling kind of like an action movie. Yeah. But nothing about the movie in general, again, really felt like Star Wars. That felt like a bigger disconnect even than Rogue One because it was just kind of like guy running around the galaxy doing space bandit stuff with an action movie soundtrack. It's Okay, so it's funny you say that because I was going to say with Rogue One, like, it should feel like the music of the original trilogy because it took place sure. right before it. So it would make sense that, like, the music should tie in as well. Mm -hmm. And then Solo is, like, almost the same exact timeline, you know? It's right. not really out of outside of the original trilogy timeline that much. Ten years, maybe? Less than that? Like, before the before New Hope? Right. So it's weird that, like, it becomes synthesizer-y. Like, if you're going to watch the films in order, obviously the cinematography kind of changes, right? But then, like, the music's going to dramatically change, too, which obviously we've determined plays a huge role in whether you like it or not. Yeah. Or at least how you interpret it. Did Lorelai see Solo? We did. We watched it. Together. On an airplane? Yep. I and I think we finished, zero memory we finished it not on an airplane. Music. Yeah, I have no memory of the music. Well, that's... So Good or th bad. I think that speaks... <laughs> I think that also speaks volumes, though, yeah. that you and Robin 
don't have memories of the music, but it should feel Star Wars. I've seen the original trilogy 10,000 times, probably (laughs) not exaggerating. (laughs) I hope that's an exaggeration. But Joey's got the originals is, on, like the original VHS tapes. I know. Like, not rare, the special rare, editions. Rare. It says, Those are awesome. VHS it says Star <laughs> Wars. It doesn't say Star Wars A New Hope. It says Star Wars. But my point is... That is your cred there, dude. <laughs> my point is that, again, I can't erase my memory to know if the music would mean something to me right from the get-go. But the music of Solo is just... We're in the 21st century... We have these big blockbuster movies coming out every year. It's a big blockbuster movie soundtrack. There's the like Rui said, the to me, the only element of Star Wars is the score sprinkled in, the original score right. sprinkled in. Yeah. There's no like he didn't create anything new. He didn't sort of do what Michael Giacchino did, which is blend stuff. If anyone out there has any more insight into this, please reach out to us and let me know. But from my perspective, again, not knowing all that much, it just doesn't feel there. I watched Solo a second time. I liked it more the second time. There's elements of that movie that I really like as a Star Wars movie. The music just never, just never clicked, just never hit me. It just doesn't feel Star Wars. Do you know what my biggest gripe about Solo is, Joe? Darth Maul. Or Robin? Is it Maul? The entire thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I don't particularly like Maul. So here's one thing that they really... I kind of can't forgive Star Wars for doing this. There's a lot of things in Star Wars that is cringy or that you're like, I wish they did it differently. When, I don't know what base they're walking through on Corellia or whatever, but there's a TV or a screen and it's playing... Oh, it's playing the... It's called the Imperial Recruitment. It's a theme. You can look it up on, or you can listen to it on Spotify. It's only got like 50,000 plays on Spotify, which goes to show how much of a flop the soundtrack is. You'd yeah. think that would have more plays. And it's the Imperial March in a major key, and it sounds very much like a national anthem. It's a incredible reimagining of the arrangement of the Imperial March. Like, it's amazing. Like, that would be a, a YouTube video that should have a million views. But the fact that they took the soundtrack of the film and actually made it the Imperial Recruitment theme song in universe. Yeah. That is like a Rick and Morty bit. That it's is so not dumb. That's not something that you can do in an epic space opera. That like ruined the entire fucking film for me. It's so they dumb. Playing it as part of like a recruitment video or it, something. It's called like Imperial Recruitment. That's yeah. what the track is called. Right before he gets the name solo. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the really that entire scene there kind of ruins a lot of stuff yeah, in Star Wars. Not good, and I mean it's but, it's great as as a bit, but it really oof. you can't take a score. I don't know. Uh, it would be like if one of the characters is singing it, like Luke's driving his X-wing, banana, banana, banana. But that's what they did in the original holiday special, whatever it was called. Really, Leia sings. To the Star Wars theme, like there's she, there's words to it, and like I don't know, there's something about she would she would only agree to do it mm. if she could sing. I vaguely stuff. remember this, but they put the song in universe as an actual song, which is just I don't know. Could it ever work? Well, it could work. <laughs> it could work in Hunger Games when when she's like <laughs> or whatever she whistles the thing. Like in that context, like. Obviously, the people in the Star Wars universe listen to music, I assume, like normal people, just like they got to eat, pee, and sleep. They probably listen to music. 
So there's music that exists in their world, but it can't be the, the film soundtrack unless no. it's like a, a moment like that where they can coexist. But I think that only works for the Hunger Games. <laughs> and that's <laughs> or, not even or Baby Driver. That's not I don't even know. Part that's not even part of the Hunger. Well, ah. We could get into so much because I love Baby Driver and I love the soundtrack and I love it how it all ties together. The Hunger Games was something completely different and it was a thing before there was a soundtrack to it. So she's like, that sound was something we all already had an idea about. I don't know how to talk about it. But do we want to talk about The Mandalorian? Because that's the most different thing here. So let's go. This this is a great full circle moment. So I I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Ludwig... Gronunson? Yeah. Gronunson? Right. Dude, so the thing I think is cool about this is he's born in 84. Like, he is, like, the same generation of Star Wars kid as us. Like, that's a total fresh perspective. I just want to say, right off the bat, getting into this, The Mandalorian is created by us. The people who created The Mandalorian, who had everything to do with it, is almost our generation if they're not our generation, they're so relatable to us because they're Star Wars fans who grew up loving Star Wars and they created this stuff. Between Filoni, Favreau, Kathleen Kennedy, and the composer. And that's what I think makes this very special, which we'll get into. Sorry, Royce, but I think that's a very important thing to note because we're all here now. We all love Star Wars and they love Star Wars and they created this thing. For me, now, coming from Rogue One and then into Solo which I think Solo was a little less Star Warsy, and creating The Mandalorian, which on its face might be less Star Warsy. I mean, we know that The Mandalorians are part of Star Wars and, and all that stuff. But getting into it, we're automatically going from a space opera to a space western. And so everything has to change. Almost everything we know about Star Wars has to change. Now, George Lucas created this property with the influence of the samurai and the gunslinger and merging those two things together, which I think was brilliant. But now we're getting this switch of the like the themes. We're still taking part of Lucas's property, the Western, and adding music to it. And I think it just works. I don't know how to describe it other than it feels Star Wars. And maybe it's because I like the show so much. I really do like the show. But it feels Star Wars, even though it's a completely separate genre. I think he did a great job with one very notable exception, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, in so when I two. think like Westerns, you hear that like, woo, 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 like right. whiplash, like tumbleweed sound. And I don't know if that was like any inspiration for the way he wrote the themes. He has these flutes that like play that sort of same like, ha ha, melody sort of thing. <laughs> he like takes the woo, 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 and he has this, like that is like a perfect like musical realization of that, whatever that, that sound effect has to have a name too. We should look it up. But <laughs> that's great. And I know that he like was obsessed with flutes at the time, uh, or re- I guess recorders, not flutes, that he like bought a bunch of them and just like was experimenting while he's making the soundtrack. And I don't think that the actual music composition is very like Star Wars in the sense that Michael, Gio- Michael Giacchino like, kind of parodied John Williams to make a score that felt like Star Wars. But I do think that the Mandalorian score feels like Star Wars, but not because of the compositional choices. What I think he does awesome with is that he just made a theme that comes back and comes back. And the first time you hear it, maybe you're like, 
that's not Star Wars. I don't like it, which was how I felt. The first time you hear something, you don't, you have to experience it and you have to commit it to memory. And the next time you hear it, well, you already heard it. So like now all the synapses in your brain start to connect. And let's be honest, like that's the only reason people like any music. It's not because you hear it once and you're like, that song was great. Don't ever need to hear it again. I love that song. That was a good song. Remember that song we heard? Like, uh, you can. I think sometimes that happens, right? You can, but who is not going to listen to that song again? You're not going to watch your favorite movie again? So when Leia's theme comes back in Force Awakens and Joey sheds a tear, it's because he watched Empire Strikes Back 10,000 times, okay? It's true. And he wore out the tape so much that it's doing that weird... <laughs> it's got that line that comes down the screen, right? You have to hit the tracking button on the remote. Yeah. So there's something, like, really special about just having familiarity with the music that you're listening to, especially in a soundtrack, I think. Obviously in a pop song. And he wrote a kick-ass theme song for The Mandalorian. So... I don't feel like there's a lot of music in Mando. It's just kind of like, woo, woo, woo. And that's it. But there's the awesome Mandalorian theme song, just like X-Men 1990s. And when they're going to have a battle, they play that stupid song for 30 seconds. It's not really a long theme, but you know it's going to be awesome. And you hear it every episode. And it's the same thing with the Mandalorian's theme. It's not really like, you know, dun, 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 dun. It's not like, Star Wars fanfare, I guess you could break it down. It sort of has some of those melodies. Yeah. But it's the fact that it's the Mandalorian's theme, which is John Williams's jam. Oh, you got a character? Yeah, I'll exactly. give him a theme. I'll give him a little light motif. And it'll come back and back and back. So you remember it and you associate it with that character. And now we all do that. Mm-hmm. You know that the Mandalorian is... Going to do something. Right, Robin? Yeah. Right, Lorelai? Yeah. I remember noticing the music in the first episode of The Mandalorian, like, right away. And being like, because it was so different than the rest of Star Wars, I think, I remember just being like, oh, this is something new and interesting. And I think it kind of helped differentiate the show. Like, as you said, Joey, it's like the whole feeling of the show the genre of the show is totally different than the rest of star wars and like the fact that the music is so different i think really plays into that like they could have put the like regular star wars themes and melodies and you would have immediately connected it to star wars and it would have been like another star wars movie and because it had this different soundtrack it's like and it's totally own different realm Mm -hmm. it totally stands on its own yeah Yeah. exactly that's the thing about the mandalorian that's different but different from rogue one and solo Mm -hmm. is that the mandalorian has now created or taken advantage of a branch of star wars Mm -hmm. so whereas like with rogue one and what should have been with solo is the um merging of different uh scores to the original score or the star wars sound we have the Mandalorian, which is a branch of Star Wars and bridging the gap again, I think, between space opera and space Western. And that sound is so, I think, Western cinema to me with, I don't know if it's called the Baby Yoda theme, but <laughs> but the, the music that plays when something Star Warsy is happening, like the Mandalorian's the a gunslinger. Theme. They're like, that's very Star Wars to me. Yeah, that whole thing is like 
sort of tying, bridging the gap between the Mandalorian being this Western gunslinger, but it also being in Star Wars. And I think it's wonderfully done. And I think what the, what's the composer's name? Ludwig? Gorenson? Gorenson. What he has said is that he sort of had more freedom with season two as far as scoring season two than he did with season one because they were obviously like trying to tread lightly. They didn't want to turn anybody off. So he had more freedom with season two. And I think it really shows. I do think there's one mistake in season two that we could probably all agree on. But, well, should we just... Yeah, let's say. Should we just, just say that the like the force theme or some very I don't think maybe like necessarily the force theme, but some variation of that should play when Luke Skywalker shows up. Dude. And they've said it's because they didn't want to show their hand. They didn't want to. They didn't want to show the reveal too early before he like removes his hood. Uh. But the music, I I listened to it again when that moment happened in the show when we were watching it in real time. I was like, this is fucking awesome, right? I just felt that it was incredible. I watched it again in preparation for recording this episode and I listened to the music and I was like, the music is kind of flat. It doesn't amp as me up. As soon as it pans up to Luke and they do the reveal, it is a no brainer. Just like when they opened Rogue One or Solo, they should have started with the Star Wars fanfare. It's a Star Wars movie. Just give it the fanfare. When you pull up the camera on Luke, CG Luke, Boom, Luke Skywalker. And then have the record scratch be like, (laughs) well, but that's the whole point. Like, why have the force theme if you're not going to play the force theme when force people are doing stuff with the force? (laughs) It makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah, that whole sequence is kind of sort of limited. I tear up in that scene. It's still a powerful scene. It's powerful. But I wonder but, how much more powerful it would have been with the music. Like, sure. could somebody temporarily put that in there to be like, can we just see, like, this is a tried and true theme. And it's like, it's meant for those moments. So yeah. it's odd to me that they didn't include that. But it still stands on its own. Like, you can't say that they leaned on it, you know? Like, oh, that was a cheap shot. Yeah, if they would have played the exact thing, I would have, first of all, it would have given it away early. I wouldn't, the whole time that Luke is approaching, before we know it's Luke, I'm contemplating what other Jedi it could be. Like, could it be Ezra Bridger? Could it be somebody else who survived? All that stuff. All those people could have the Force theme, though. Correct. I agree. I mean, Ezra has his own music from Rebels and stuff like that, but if they would have just used the Force theme as a base and created something new from it, I think it would have been much more impactful. There's not really any significant music during that entire set of scenes. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, like, the scene's still powerful, so yeah. it they did their job. Robin? What do you think about the music of The Mandalorian? The only music from The Mandalorian I can think of offhand is the theme, uh, which doesn't feel or sound like Star Wars to me, but it does, to Royce's point, I've heard it so much, it sounds like The Mandalorian, which as a, as a whole, I really like. So I like the one piece of music I can remember, which is a theme song. I like it a lot. I think it's fantastic. I don't yeah. think there's a point where you're like, not necessarily for The Mandalorian, but any film where you're like, I don't like their theme song. Like their theme song is their theme song. So like you just will associate the character with that. Like maybe we did say Darth Vader can't be flutes, 
But if he was Flutes, then that would be his, the song. But that's not his song. His song is the Imperial March. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's okay. Yeah. It's I, the Mandalorian regardless. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think he did a really great job with it. I can't remember hearing any other piece of music throughout the entire series so far, which is kind of strange. I think There's no other characters. Yeah, that theme song just stands out so much that I think of the Mandalorian and I hear the music for that in my head. I think there's music for Baby Yoda. I think there's music for the X-Wing pilots that we eventually meet. Um, but those, like, the X-Wing pilots are not there, like, every episode. So no. I think that's what Robin means. There's not the, like, drill it in your brain yeah, for sure. theme. It's, yeah, it's just the Mandalorian theme that's consistent. You guys, I would really love to talk about Kevin Kiner and the music for The Clone Wars because it is... In my opinion, some of the best Star Wars music. Royce, did have you did you listen to I sent you some clips, but did you listen to any of his music for Star yeah. Wars? Well, and I've seen a couple episodes. I haven't seen enough to really like be fair about it. But I would say, like, similar with Michael Giacchino, that he's on brand with like yeah. some of the Star Wars cliches of for lack of a better term, like parodying John Williams. But in my notes, I say that Kevin Kiner has a trashing the camp vibe. That's with hilarious. all the Star Wars music. Tarzan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it has this like like bongo drum kind of like upbeat, like fun thing. It makes the Star Wars theme like lighter to me. Right. And I'm sure he does like epic themes, but that's my oh. big takeaway is like everything's kind of like got a little bit more positive energy to it to me in the Clone Wars, stereotypically speaking. It's like in your face, trash in the camp. Yeah. There's just some I mean, there's so much. There's seven seasons of the show and and a movie. Side note, he also has scored Making a Murderer, which I think is an incredible 180 from Star That's Wars, hilarious. the animated series. <laughs> I think he's done a really incredible job. I love, I just love the music that he created for Star Wars. It does play into some of those themes, but especially for season seven of The Clone Wars. I've said it on Twitter. I think it's a masterpiece. I listened to it. In my research for creating this episode of the podcast, I listened to a lot of Star Wars music and I always went back to season seven of The Clone Wars. I just turned it on and it was music to my ears, so to speak. It's just incredible. It really is really good. I like him a lot. And I, God, I love that show. I think we had a review early on, a review of the podcast early on that was like, I like your show, but please stop talking about The Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks, Meg. So that's all the music that we can talk about. Something incredible about the High Republic is that they have made a character that hears the song, hears the force as a song. And now after making this episode, I think that the, like, they've just blended sort of the idea of George Lucas's vision and John Williams enacting that vision and created this Star Wars character who's a Jedi hears the force as a song and makes her decisions based off that. Avar Chris, she's an amazing character. The High Republic is great. And what an, what an amazing idea. That sounds awesome. It's really cool, man. If there's like a note missing or a note off, she's like, something wrong is going to happen. What is it? I can't figure it. Mm. Like something bad's going to happen. It's so good. <laughs> Just an amazing idea. It's time for Surprise Question with Joey. That's me. It's surprise question time with Joey. I scored this song myself. This is my question to everyone, except me who only thought about what your answers would be. (laughs) 
What's your favorite piece of music or score or theme, whatever, from Star Wars? Robin, do you have a favorite? I do. I don't know the name of it, and I couldn't tell you what movie it's from, which is super helpful. It plays at the end of at least one of the movies, potentially more. I feel like you know what I'm talking about. Kind of like the main Star Wars theme, but it's like triumphant, but also kind of sad, but also feels like a conclusion song. I can't tell it you. Sounds it like is. the Force f- theme. That's probably is it the what end it is. of. Is it the end of A New Hope? I picture Luke like standing in the sand. So wait, can you just pin it down to a scene? My brain a film pi- and scene. My brain pictures A New Hope, Luke standing in like the sand on Tatooine. Yeah, but I don't know if that's accurate. That's one hundred percent like Force themey stuff. Yeah, and it's like it makes you feel really kind of like happy, but also it feels really sad and it feels triumphant Mm. somehow at the same time. And I think Mm. that's my favorite piece because it has like multiple different emotions that you feel you're like, wow, this is great, but I feel sad for some reason, but also like hopeful and triumphant. Yeah. I wonder, isn't there, isn't there piece from A New Hope called Twin Suns or something when he's like standing on the dune looking at Binary Sunset maybe Binary Sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Royce, do you have a favorite? It's, I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite because it's all so good. Yeah. I really like the Imperial Attack on the A New Hope soundtrack. That's the like one I was humming earlier about like X-Wing show up. It's like the classic space battle theme song called yeah. Imperial Attack, but I feel like you can put any spaceship underneath it and that's a really great one. But I really, really love Across the Stars as like a full-on experience of emotions similar to that kind of binary sunset theme. Dude, Across the Stars is so beautiful and they use it for Anakin, like his life falling apart, like losing his mom, not being able to like have Padme and losing Padme. And yeah, I like Across the Stars is probably my favorite one on like a emotional level, pure feelings. But if you want to like play a video game, you want to listen to Imperial Attack. Does Across the Stars have influences of like Anakin's theme and Vader's theme? It's it's more like Leia's theme, if anything. Yeah. I think what's incredible, another thing that's incredible is Anakin is the only character, I think Anakin's the only character in these stories that ha- that has multiple themes. Like you have Anakin in The Phantom Menace, little kid, and then you have Anakin growing up, and then you have Darth Vader, and it all just kind of progresses to this... Again, this, like, event. I don't know. It's just incredible that the character changes and his theme changes, and I think that's really cool. Lorelai, do you have a favorite piece of music as a band nerd, the band Ooh. nerd perspective? The Cantina Band. I love the Cantina Band song. But that's probably just because I know it really well. <laughs> I thought it would be an interesting perspective from your point of view being, yeah. like, the more sort of band-oriented. Yeah. I guess... I don't know. I don't know all the n- names of all well, so the If themes. you pick a movie and scene, like, that's fair enough. Because th- the names don't matter anyway. The themes yeah. are played in, like, every I'm song. I think. It's hard. I haven't watched... I really should just... I need to re-watch the movies because now I haven't seen them and still probably... Well, we watched the original trilogy three years, two years ago. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just go with that. Why not? Okay. What's the one that goes... Bam, 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 bam. That's that's Endor. Oh no, maybe not. Is that it? Oh, that's the it's a trap scene. 
Whatever that is, I love it. Can you do Across the Stars? Can you hum Across the Stars? Yeah, I fucking love that, though. That's probably my favorite one. It just... And it swells in. It's a, it is exactly like that binary sunset theme, the arrangement. It makes me feel like stars. And I put this on our Instagram. Ahsoka Leaves by Kevin Kiner for the Clone Wars uh, series, I think is my absolute favorite of all time. It's incredible. It feels Star Wars-y, and it makes me feel so much because of the music and because of that scene. She's walking away from Anakin. She's walking away from the Jedi Temple. She's no longer a, a Jedi Padawan. She's left, and the music, that scene means more to me than I think almost anything else in Star Wars. And so that music is incredible to me it makes me feel so much so that's my absolute favorite of all time and that's it that's the show i think thank you for listening all the way to the end of the show let us know what your favorite star wars music is on twitter instagram or facebook just search for krypton to alderaan you'll find us or you can shoot us an email krypton to alderaan at gmail.com And of course, make sure to subscribe and rate and review and comment and like and share and tag us (laughs) on all of the relevant platforms where you're checking out our content. Thanks for listening to the show. I've been Royce. I've been Robin. I've been Lorelai. And I've been Joey. And we've been Krypton Krypton to Alderaan. Yeah, that's a good